Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Vanessa and Casper and the entire Real Question podcast team. My name is Miriam. I live in upstate New York, and I wanted to tell y'all about the time that I made the adventurous decision instead of the sensible one. A couple of weeks after I'd started dating the person who is now my wife, we were at dinner with her family, and they were all talking about this Mediterranean cruise they were planning. So it was probably like May or June when we were having dinner, and the cruise was going to be for September of the next year. So almost a year and a half away, this vacation was going to be happening. And at one point, my future mother-in-law turned to me and asked if I wanted to go with them. And I immediately responded yes, because who would say no to a Mediterranean cruise? And many of my friends thought I was pretty absurd for saying yes to a vacation that wasn't going to be happening for a year, year and a half with a person who I hadn't even been dating for six months and whose family I was just starting to get to know. But I thought it sounded amazing. This was a really fun family. I loved this person and I didn't see how it could go wrong. And I was 100% correct. To this day, it remains one of my favorite vacations I've ever been on. And like I said at the beginning of the call, this person's my wife and that family is now my family-in-law? <laughs> anyway, thank you all so much for this wonderful podcast. I've loved every single episode so far, and I always look forward to hearing more from y'all. Thank you so much, and I hope you're all having wonderful days. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is The Real Question. Thanks to those of you who have recently signed up for our Patreon, Catherine C, Anne K, Beck W, Carol H, Anne Boleyn, and Stephanie. Casper, Anne Boleyn actually is no longer a patron. Her credit card was just declined. (laughs) (laughs) You are a bad, bad person, but I really like you. 
I am obsessed with Miriam's voicemail. It includes Mediterranean. It includes long-term vacation planning. It includes, like, building bridges to family in-laws. And it includes lesbian love. And so it's a 10 out of 10 for me. And this is a really apropos story, because the question that I'm bringing to you, Vanessa, today is really about when do you know to, like, do the sensible thing, right? Like, today is the mid-month, so it's paycheck day, and so I'm like, okay, like, let's check the savings for retirement money, right? Like, let's check that little calculator thing that tells you you are way behind where you should be, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) just that. There are moments when it's really important, and not just moments, mostly most of the time it's really important to, like, be planning ahead and be sensible. But then also there are moments when you should just say, like, fuck it, and I'm going on a Mediterranean cruise with my in-laws who I've only just met and a girlfriend who I've been with for less than six months. And by the way, it's a year and a half. Like, yes, I say yes, you know. And so that's really the thing I'm struggling with. And it became really clear to me that this is something I find very difficult. A few weeks ago when I know I'm like very happy on the show, but like I also am sad sometimes. And this was like a really, I don't know, it was like a sad weekend. And the thing I did to try and make myself feel better was plan an entire round the world trip. Yes, there were spreadsheets. Yes, I was making budgets. It turns out a month in Turkey is great. I want a month in New Zealand. Anyway, I'm giving you more details than you need. But what I'm trying to illustrate was I got really excited about just being like, I'm buying a round-the-world ticket. I'm disappearing from my life. And I'm like, I'm going on the road. You know, me and my different flag patches on my backpack, off we go into the sunset. And once I built the entire budget and planned the entire itinerary, I was like, oh... Well, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't make sense. We're saving for a house. You know, you're you're interrupting a year of your earnings. Like, there's so many ways that it it doesn't make sense. And I got even more sad because I was like, (laughs) oh, God. (laughs) Like, I'm on a train track and, like, I can't get off. And I, I started to get really worried, like, is there now no way for me to get off the train that I'm on? And I know I'm now just, like, opening the box on my anxiety brain because obviously... There's always changes that you can make, but I don't know when or how to know that that is the right decision. Totally. When mostly the train that I'm on is actually really lovely. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm I'm struggling with like, if not now, when? Because it's never going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. But also like, why would you interrupt something that mostly is good? Right. I, 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 I don't know. I need help. Oh, it's such a good question, right? Because the fear is I, I'm really like this train track and if I jump off of it is it going to be destroyed like am I right not going to be able to get back on and is the other one worse I'm wondering how much of your concern and what keeps you rooted are certain values that you have like but I've made commitments but I want to be in relationship with the people I want to be in relationship with how much of it is Mm. that Because I would imagine part of this is just like competing values. Yeah, definitely. And I should say it's less about like which branch of life am I choosing? And it's more about the like radical change for a certain amount of time. Like I'm not going to live my life on the road kind of thing. People do that and I'm very impressed. But um, so it's it's more like the idea that seems 
to the outside world kind of stupid, maybe. Yeah. Right? Like Miriam was saying, all her friends were like, what are you doing? Yeah. But she was like, it just felt right. And so I said, yes. And I guess that is a competing value, right? Like, I have commitments, yes. Like, there are projects I'm involved with, or there's a lease that I've signed. Right. You know, like, there are real responsibilities. But also, like, there are always going to be responsibilities. Yeah. And, and life is made up of the memories where you... I mean, yes, where you fulfilled your responsibility, but also where you did the random thing and you got on the roller coaster ride, even though you just had an ice cream and then maybe <laughs> you threw up a little, you know, and like, that's the story. Casper, I'm also curious. One of the things that you said is that you get sad and that one of the things that you wanted that weekend was to disappear from your life, mm. right? Which is pretty different from what Miriam said. Miriam got this invitation yeah. and she said, yes. And so I'm wondering if you can walk us through those feelings a little bit. Mm. Yeah, no, that is actually a really good point. I I found COVID really hard. Surprise. <laughs> like, who hasn't? Some people genuinely haven't. I like, haven't. I'm, I'm not saying I resent those people, but I do. Uh <laughs> us introverts, we're mostly fine. I'm just sitting here alone in my house most of the day, every day. And I'm just like, hello, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think it just really, you know, it comes in waves. And that weekend, just it really got to me. And it's, I, I, I always feel guilty about that feeling because I have so much opportunity and so much privilege and very few responsibilities. Actually, you know, I don't care for children or parents or like, I, I'm so free to do what the hell I want. And yet, you know, still the feelings are the feelings. And that's valid too. As my therapist once said, don't be ashamed to feel the pain that you do feel. And I think I kind of recognized in that Sunday that I was like, oh, I'm feeling sad. And I know what will help me feel a little bit better is like live in my imagination space. And I, I we've talked about this before. Like I will say to Sean, like, just enter my imagination space as we plan this trip for a moment, will you? Because he's like, oh God, do I have to plan around the world trip now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, we probably won't go. Don't worry about it. But like, just pretend like, would you want to spend a month in Turkey or the Greek islands? How about both? So the kind of, yeah, the escaping bit or the feeling of like disappearing was like feeling stuck and like this is a place of potential. Like you don't know what's going to happen when you're traveling. I think that's the feeling that I was really, or I am really attracted to, that sense of I'm not in control of the day. I'm a very, very scheduled person, which I love most of the time. But there's something about being out in the world where I'm not the one setting the the agenda, right? Like the agenda is happening to me. And that's exciting. And and who knows who you might meet or what experience you might have or what place you might visit. And I just miss that so, so much. Yeah. So Casper, go on the trip. Why wouldn't you go? <laughs> I'd mi I'll miss you. I'll meet up with you somewhere. I guess here's the question, right? Like, I can go on a trip. I'm going on a trip on Monday. And I'm really excited about it. And it's, you know, two weeks in one place. And it's going to be great. But that's not what I'm talking about in this question. Like, there's a, a recklessness about this question, right? Like, an, I don't want to say an abandoning of my senses. But it's like, I'm going to a place and I don't know where I'm sleeping that night, right? Like, there's a recklessness to this question. And like, a sense of... I'm going somewhere without even knowing where I'm staying or what's going to happen. Or there's there's just an openness, I think, that I want more of in my life. 
my question stands. So do it. Why not? Walk me through the downsides. Like, go. Well, because there's so much that is good. Like, why would I just pack it in? You know, like... Won't it all be waiting for you? Will it? I think I'm just scared. People are screaming at their, like, audio players right now. They're like, yes, Casper, don't do that. That's absurd. I mean... You know you want to live in a house. Oh, I remember that episode ending with you not knowing if you want to live in a house. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. Oh, God, it's the same question. No, you've come to this conclusion that you don't want to live in a house. It's like, so now what? Right. right? Like, what does that free me up to do? And you've made decisions like I don't want to have kids necessarily, or at least not right now. And so what does that free me up to do? Right? Yeah. And as someone who loves two children, right, like I do not let myself travel for more than 11 days in a row because when we have the kids every other weekend, I want to be here. And like, that's a commitment I have for nine more years. But like, you don't have that. Right. So I totally hear you, right? Like you don't want 76-year-old Casper to be like, wow, sure would be nice if I could pay rent. Glad I had fun (laughs) on that trip. (laughs) But you also don't want 76-year-old Casper to be like, I mean, I'm comfortable, but... He is the beige wool I chose. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so it's definitely really risky And it also, to me, Casper, is interesting that you've rooted this particular question in COVID Mm. because I also think part of this is the time. When we were younger, there was an assumption that if you bought a house, it was going to be worth more later. And I feel like 2009 taught us that that's not true. And there used to be a vague understanding of like things being politically somewhat stable in the United States. And January 6th taught us that's not true. And COVID has just taught us that, right, like, you are my extrovert friend. You are the person who the more time you spend with other people, the more energy it gives you. (laughs) It just, like, fills you up. Yeah. And so COVID, I can imagine you were like, what? (laughs) Wait, how? So I think that 10 years ago and then six years ago, I would have been like, come on, Casper, take care of your future self. Go on a Hmm. two-month version of the trip, right? Like, be sensibly irresponsible. But now I'm like, the world's on fire. Do it while you can. So anyway, I just feel the tension of this for you. Yeah, I want future you to not have burned all of your savings and to be taking care of yourself. And I absolutely want you to have no regrets. So I, I really understand I think it really is a COVID question in a way, because the other thing that's in my mind, I can't remember who told me this, but it was like, don't make a big decision during COVID. Mm. Like, this is not a normal time, right? I'm sure I heard that in the first three months of this experience, and we're now in month 20, and so it doesn't seem like this is going to go away, right? This is, I'm not even going to say that phrase, but you all know the phrase that I'm going to say, hashtag the new normal. And so... That's in my mind as well of like, don't don't make radical or rash decisions when the context is so uncertain. And it's so interesting that you mentioned that kind of like a two-month adventure because I have been so lucky to have that experience before. Like in 2011, I set off with this group of people I did not know for three months to sing together every day, traveling through Europe and like learning folk music and performing it for randos whose couches we then slept on. And it was 
wonderful and awful. Like the group dynamics were the worst experience ever I've had of a group. I think we had two divorces come out of it. There was affairs. Oh yeah, it was a whole thing. But <laughs> the singing every day together and like just eating bread and cheese and like living really simply, it was wonderful. I mean, the Mediterranean was there. We were in Corsica for three weeks. How can you go wrong? Which honestly, I feel like actually this is the right moment to turn to my first text, which has a Mediterranean flavor. Because when you, Ariana, and I went away together for a weekend in October of last year, we were coming up with the real question. Like, we were trying to imagine what new show we might want to create together. And we decided we would watch a couple of wonderfully, like, rom-com feel-good movies. And one was Runaway Bride. Excellent, also upstate New York content, Miriam, uh, potentially of interest. But the other one that we watched was Under the Tuscan Sun, which I had never seen. And if you haven't seen it either, please do yourself a favor and watch this movie. It came out in 2003. So you've got like fabulous late 90s, early 2000s kind of fashion and lighting and food. It's the story of a woman called Frances Mays, who was a real woman. She was a professor who moved from the US to Italy. In the real story, in what actually happened, she moves with her husband and they're happy and they rebuild this old home and like fall in love with Italy and themselves and each other all over again. And it's beautiful. In the movie, Diane Lane plays her and she's just gotten a divorce. And so she's in this moment of like, I need to change. Something has to, to change. And her friend, played by Sandra Oh, says, I have a ticket for a gay travel, like, cruise-esque experience through Italy. Very Miriam. It's totally Miriam, 100%. And she says yes to the ticket. And she, I mean the best moment of the whole movie, and this will forever be in my heart, they're on the tour bus and the tour guide is saying like, welcome. And they're all wearing these hats that say gay in a way. And Ariana got me an exact replica of that hat that I love wearing. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they're on this gay in a way tour and, and they stop somewhere and she sees this house and this little village. And she's like, oh my God, I'm having a spiritual moment with this decrepit falling apart building. I'm going to buy it. And she's like, what is happening? This is an insane idea. So what I'm going to play you is, um, it's actually the trailer of the movie, so I'm not giving anything away more than you would want or need. And so you hear how Frances goes on the trip and then like has this moment where she gets really excited about this building and um, utters the words that I want to look at closely for my text. You are gay and away. <laughs> It's a nice little villa. Are you going to buy it? The way my life has been going, that would be a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Don't you just love this? Stop the bus! So she just says, well, I mean, who wouldn't want to buy a villa in Tuscany? But the way my life's going, that would be a terrible idea. And then this friend, Catherine, says, terrible idea. Mm, don't you just love those? And Catherine, I should say for context, is quite a glamorous character. She's a little older and is actually Frances's most kind of constant friend through her time in Italy, at least. She's tall. I mean, she's beautiful. But she also like wears these fabulous outfits, like a feathered hat, gloves. Like she always looks right, but loves ice cream. And she dances in a fountain. Like she is this kind of larger than life, risk-taking, full-flavored liver. And she talks about advice that she was given once where she says, like, not to lose your childlike enthusiasm. And I guess that's the bit that feels really true for me. Like, this connection between 
childlike enthusiasm and this embracing of a terrible idea. And the thing is, Catherine is right. Like, it was the right decision for Francis to try and rebuild this house with her lovely Polish builders as it falls apart and create this, in her case, it's a new life. But it was this rash decision that led to more love and joy and connection. Yeah, I'm really struck by what you said about the advice that you got to not make big decisions during COVID. Yeah. Because I feel like Francis probably got similar advice. Like, don't make any rash decisions in the year after your divorce. Yeah. A friend of my mother's named Catherine, her husband died. And people gave advice like, do not make any rash decisions in the year after your husband died. Hmm. And she was like, screw that and sold the house and bought an RV and traveled around the U.S. (gasps) Oh, I love it. She was like, this is what I need to do to grieve. Like, this isn't like the right long-term decision for the next 30 years of my life without my husband. There's also like the immediate self-care, which I feel like gets to the root of your question, right? Of Mm. like, sometimes crisis means it's time to dig your heels in and be like, okay, we're going to stay rooted. And sometimes crisis is an inspiration, And I think that's part of what's tricky. It's like, I'm not in a crisis. COVID is a crisis. Yeah. You're living through wartime. You're living through a pandemic. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, maybe this is part of it. It's like, oh my God, it's obviously been a crisis on like a global scale, on a national scale, you know, on so many levels. But in my life, I feel like, can I use a word like crisis to describe my experience? It feels overblown. You know, I've not lost anyone I, I actually don't know anyone who's died. I have some acquaintances, friends who've been, um, who really struggled with long COVID and that's still such an unknown. That's very scary. But in my kind of day-to-day life, maybe that's why it feels like this, let's just go travel around the world, like feels outsized. But if I allow the scale of COVID to be bigger in terms of a crisis in my life, then it doesn't seem so absurd. Yeah. To me, this is also a question about, privilege. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? Let's just go to Italy and buy a building. Sure. (laughs) Yes. And I hear that, Casper. And it's so important for us to remember how hard COVID has been, even for our friends with young kids, right? Like for people who are really close to us. And then, of course, when we think about like Black people living in poverty in the United States, right? Like how horrible COVID has been. But also, are you unhappy? Because don't you deserve to be happy? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess that's what I'm saying with, like, some people have thrived in this. And I'm like, well, good for you. I haven't. Like, it's it's being shitty. I mean, I'm fine. Well, like, COVID fine, right? Like, I feel like that's the best way I've got for it. And in some ways, this moment where, you know, theaters are reopening in New York. And that was one of the reasons I was really excited to move to the city was like, be able to go see shows. (laughs) Like, so yay. But like, even as the outside world feels like it's coming back into view, I feel like on my inside, I'm still like, it's still not how it was. And I think maybe this question is kind of wrapped up in that, like, maybe that's never going to come back. And so there has to be something that changes for a new thing to be possible. I mean, it also sounds like regardless of whether or not the world goes back to normal, you're changed by this. 
Yeah, as you said, right, like those experiences of the financial crash definitely challenged certainly my view of the economic system that we live in and what you can assume. And I think there's even more risk introduced into how I understand the future, even though I understand the huge implications of climate change, I I think relatively well, even those could still seem far enough away not to be immediately so disturbing as as COVID has been. Um, Yeah, I think there's less assumptions of stability, even in my own understanding of my lifetime. That's very true. And so it's like, well, yeah, like terrible idea. Don't you just love those? Like, great. And not in the sense that like, oh, the world's going to end tomorrow, like kiss a stranger, but you don't know. So choose what brings you joy. Yeah, like go and collect shells on a Greek beach and make bad art with them. I don't care. Do it. Casper, it sounds to me like you are ashamed of the fact that you want this and can do it. Or you feel the need to have change even though you didn't have that bad of a COVID compared to other people. Hmm. I always think of that John O'Donohue quote, the duty of privilege is absolute integrity. I guess what is integrity is then the question. Like, is integrity to live your best life, you know, which is nice? Or is it like to be of some service or like, I don't know. I Yeah, I, if you look at super wealthy people like flying around the world and just having a fabulous old time, you know, the whole kind of... Going into space. Yeah. Or like the Kardashians doing their little island getaway in the third month of... I mean, that was just gross. I mean, obviously I'm not a Kardashian, but like there's an echo of that. And I'm like, that is super gross. And I do not want to be that person. And so, yeah, that's a really interesting angle of like, what is the thing I have to have integrity with? And I I guess, again, it's like competing realities because am I being of great service to the world being at home? Not really. You know, I might do some things, but I can't pretend that I'm somehow of, of great value. And also... If you come alive by doing something that doesn't make sense, don't you then have more to give to the world? Like, that feels true to me, too. And so, okay, I'm feeling very under the Tuscan sun, and I'm thinking, yes, terrible idea. Let's do it. I mean, like, let's just also not do false equivalencies. You traveling around with a backpack with patches on it is not a Kardashian get away three months into the pandemic, right? Like you at this phase in the pandemic with vaccines and more information, like having to make a lot of sacrifices in order to do something that could fill you up inside, but where you are making a big risk with your life too. Not the same, like super not the same is Kim tweeting, uh, I made us all get tested. (laughs) Like, it's not the same, right? It's just not. And so I think that this is from Sally Rooney's novel, Normal People, where um, Connell comes into like the slightest bit of money and he feels guilty about it because it means that he can travel around Europe. Marianne, his friend, says to him, well, if you want to have integrity in this, the question is, like, do you think other people should be entitled to that? Hmm. Do you think other people should be able to yes. study English at university and, and travel around Europe to see the great art of Europe? And, like, hmm. that's my question to you. Like, do you think other people should have to make big sacrifices, right? Like, financially, you would have to dip into your savings. You would have to right. figure out what to do with your rent. You would have to, like, it's not like you'd be like, everyone wait for me back in a year. <laughs> Right. Like, do you think other people should have the right to do that? A hundred percent. Yes. And and actually, this is really helpful because 
one of the things that's in the back of my mind is my mom's stories about her travel experiences, mostly in her 20s. My mom's like fucking badass. Like she traveled through South America alone for six months and would like telegram my dad on the first Sunday of every month to say that she was fine. And like we grew up with so many of the stories of, you know, they traveled through West Africa together. They lived in the US. They lived in Belgium for a while. Like there was a lot of travel and excitement and movement. And from that, friends from all over the world who would then come and stay in our house and who would read our Christmas letters and write back and who, you know, welcomed us when we were traveling somewhere. And I guess there's something in my own experience, which is like, this is possible and it's wonderful. And so, yeah, like, I want to do that. (laughs) And I think it really, especially, I I don't want to speak too much on behalf of my mom, but like, it really changed her. You know, in the kitchen of the house that I grew up in, there were these photos of, um, of, of their travels in West Africa of women collecting water from a well. And I just always assumed that they were, you know, pictures of memories that she loved. And then years later, I asked her about it and she was like, oh, they're there to remind me that I have running water. And like, what an absurd privilege it is. So I wanted them in my kitchen to remember what these women did and do to provide for their families every day. And I was like, oh, wow. And like, one of the things I really respect about my mom is the way that she is always thinking about who, she would never say this of like, who isn't in the room or who isn't represented. But the values, I think that she, because she didn't grow up with money at all in her immediate family. There's just a sense of like, one of the gifts of travel is, is widening one's gaze beyond my own life. And I think part of what COVID has done is like really restrict that. Like I'm just at home by myself in my house and I want, I want my eyes more open to the world. Casper, I think it's time for us to look at our second text because it sounds like you're ready to make the terrible idea. (laughs) So let's see if your second text convinces you that it's too terrible of an idea. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Already, this second text illustrates a sort of wild openness because it was actually suggested by one of our listeners, Dan Kelly. So, thank you, Dan. And it is a poem by Mary Oliver called "Sleeping Forest." And I'm sure many of you know Mary Oliver, a Pulitzer Prize-winning American poet, uh, a, a beloved, I would say, kind of nature and spirituality poet. Let me tell you, in my little research, I had no idea that she was partnered with a woman. I knew she lived in Provincetown in Massachusetts, but her partner, Molly Malone Cook, was a photographer, and they were together for decades. And so I was like, oh... I knew that she loved, like, wind and wave-swept New England, but clearly she also loved the gay mecca of Provincetown uh, because she was gay too, So, or at least was partnered with a woman for a really long time. So I, I have a whole new depth of, like, love for Mary Oliver, which is so shallow, but there we go. Um, and you recently read a Mary Oliver poem as part of our Patreon perks, so there's a little Mary Oliver theme here. I did. Uh, my favorite is Peonies. Ugh. Also... I think of Mary Oliver almost every day of my life because she has a quote, happiness is a dog off leash. And (laughs) I make sure to let Rory run around off leash at least every day because I'm like, Mary Oliver would say that this is happiness. Mm. Thanks, Mary Oliver. She really is a wonderful, wonderful poet. And Dan has sent us a good one. We'll include a link to the full poem in the show notes, but I'm going to read just a few lines of it that particularly stood out. It's called Sleeping in the Forest. And so the imagery is of someone who lies down in the forest. And there's this wonderful couple of lines, which I want to quote for you. All night I heard the small kingdoms breathing around me, the insects and the birds who do their work in the darkness. All night I heard the small kingdoms breathing around me, the insects and the birds who do their work in the darkness. And I really like this. And I like it because she has this phrase, small kingdoms, and they're like breathing around her, right? Like the sense of majesty, right? That image of kingdom, but that it's located in a very small place. They're doing this very simple thing. They're just breathing, right? As she's lying down. And... My usual, like, go-to when I think about, like, escaping my life or, like, travel, it's like, yes, we're going in every continent and it's going to be for a year and it's going to be amazing and epic and huge. And here is something which is just as unknown, right? Like, she's entering into a place over which she has no control, right? There is no indoor heating or, like, a vacuum cleaner, and she lies next to these small kingdoms breathing around her. And... I don't know, there's something very humbling in that invitation. Like we got we got a tent for Christmas last year from my wonderful in-laws and I haven't used it, which is absurd because there's been plenty of opportunities to plan to go on a camping trip. And so I'm like, Casper, why don't you just go camping for four nights? You know, you'll encounter the same kind of eye-opening, not wilderness per se, but like difference as a month in a Greek beach. There's something just as invitational, but maybe more, I don't know, like humble in this poem that I really like. Casper, I think that this is another really beautiful invitation. Um, would that be enough? I don't know is is the answer. And I guess that's why I'm I'm drawn to it. 
But maybe this is my like sensible brain being like, do the small thing first, build up to the bigger thing by doing the small things. And that's how you can do the big thing. I, I think the other thing that I like about this, apart from like the strategic angle is, is the humbling angle that it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that impulse to like be in a different place, to like feel also love just this rhythm of the forest, right? This this sense of like the simplicity of it. I mean, obviously an ecosystem is very complex, but like, yeah, when you're in the forest, you're like, okay, how am I going to stay dry? How am I going to stay warm? How am I going to see where I'm going? Like, you just have to figure out very practical things. And there's something, there's something comforting about being surrounded by these other things that are breathing with you. So maybe it's countering the isolation. I don't know. There's just a lot in this image that feels surprisingly attractive. It's like someone being like, there, there, <laughs> you know, just like giving you a little hug and being like, totally. yeah, it's okay. Not everything has to be extraordinary or like full of abandonment or, you know, terrible idea. Like it can just be a nicely bad idea. You know, like it doesn't have to be an extreme. I think that's what I like about this is it feels measured rather than extreme. So you're about to do a measured thing, right? You're uh-huh. about to go on a two week trip somewhere you've never been. You're going by yourself. Yep. Is that enough? Nope. <laughs> why why isn't that enough? Okay, you're going to you're going to hear small kingdoms breathing around you. <laughs> I mean, the reality is it's not a break enough to break through the impulses from outside or, or uh, that's not a nice way of saying it, but like I'm ending up having to do like 3 days of work while I'm there and that's fine. It wasn't the goal, but it is what it is. And the vision of the radical change and the terrible idea is that like, no, you break those things, right? Yet there's, there has to be separation in order to be freedom. And so, yeah, there's something still tethered, at least in my measured lovely vacation for which I am so freaking grateful that I get to take, of you course. know, and I'm, I'm going because my lovely husband doesn't get the same amount of vacation days as I do. And I wish he did. So I, I feel extremely conscious of the absurd amount of luck and privilege that I have. So, I mean, it's interesting that you're using the word break, right? Because it sounds like you simultaneously want to break it. And then you're also like, but then it'll be broken. Yes. Yes. And I don't want it to be broken. But what, what will actually be broken? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, because if things will actually be broken, then it's a really tough decision, right? Like I said, I am not part of the custody agreement with the kids. Like I am not like legally and emotionally, right? Like Peter and his ex-wife would be like, go, do. But I don't want to miss a year of the kids, right? I feel like that would break something within the rhythm that we have. Totally. I, I want the girls to be part of my life until the end of my life. And so I don't want to do that. So that is something that I would break if I went away for a year. Yeah. And it's something that I don't want to break, right? And then there are other things that I might break and like I can think about whether or not I'd be okay with them, right? But there's one thing that I don't want to break. Is there anything that you think could break that you're like, and that's why I can't go? I don't want to break that. I mean, I'm definitely not going to leave my husband for a year. Sure. That feels crazy. Now, can I convince him to come with me? Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, but there isn't really anything else that that wouldn't be like, wow, I'm going to miss you or like, that's tough. 
but I'll come meet you on that Greek island or like, let's do part of the, because it's not like I want to do this all by myself, you know, I've spent enough time by myself these last two years. So yeah, everything else feels very elastic in the sense of it would be resilient and totally able to change. I, I think a, a big block of it is the financials. Like you're in your mid thirties, like it's one thing to go traveling, right? When you're studying English and you're 21 versus like, hey, this is a different part of your life and you're going to do what? <laughs> Yeah, except that, like, God willing, you'll live till 80, and you're going to look back on 35-year-old you and be like, I was a child. (laughs) Yeah, you'd rather do it now than, like, when I have a hip replacement. Or do it then, too. You have a fresh hip. (laughs) That's true. So, Casper, it sounds to me like that's the thing to consider, right? Is, like, what do I want to break? What do I not want to break? Yeah, is there a way for me to do something that breaks the things that I want to break and that only breaks things that I'm okay with being broken? Yeah. Right? Like if someone were to break the dishes that I eat off every day, I'd be like, that's fine. That happens. If someone were to break the cake plate my grandma gave me, I'd be like, oh, that sucks. But again, I'd be fine. Right? Like, But if someone were to break my relationship with Peter, I'd be like, that's not okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, where are these pain points? It's so true. That's really helpful. And it's funny, I said that word break, and as soon as I said it, I was like, ooh, that's a strong word. But it is kind of helpful sometimes to draw those lines and be like, no, really, like, if it was gonna break, what would you be okay with? I lost the watch my grandfather gave me, who has now passed away, when I was in Toronto one time. And like, I could not forgive myself. And I still haven't forgiven myself, but also like, it's okay. I remember the watch. I remember my grandfather. Like, there are other watches. And the fact that he gave me that watch is not something I've forgotten, you know? So in a way, like, that strong and slightly painful word of break is like, is helpful. I'm going to make a list. I like making lists. Mm-hmm. I will add that to the spreadsheet of locations and budgets and be like, these are the things that would break. These are the things that would be stressed, but survive. And then think about it more. Just add to that list things that will break that you're sort of going to be glad break. (laughs) Right? It's like the ugly vase your cousin gave you that you (gasps) don't feel like you can give away, but then it breaks. Because they're going to come visit. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, I get to say, oh, someone Uh. broke it. It broke. I was so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right? Because some things are going to break that you're going to be like, yeah, they broke. Yeah. So just yeah. make a column for that. Okay. Let's do it. You want to come with me? <laughs> I mean, I want to meet you in France to walk the Camino. Let's do it. I'll miss one weekend of the kids for that. All right. That feels good. Thanks, Vanessa. <laughs> you're welcome, Casper. Thanks also to Mary Oliver, new queer icon, to Francis Mays, and I also feel like just generally the Mediterranean gets a shout out this week. So yeah, thanks, Mediterranean. It doesn't get appreciated enough. <laughs> and I would like to thank Kelly Russell, who sent in this amazing maxim, which is when we don't have all the information, all we can do is hallucinate. Ooh, nice. 
You've been listening to The Real Question. We can only make this show thanks to your incredible support. So if you'd enjoy listening to us more into the future, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. And if you love the show, you can also spread the word on Instagram and Facebook by tagging us realquestionpod and on Twitter at therealqpod. And of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We are a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman, and we are edited by Malika Gumpanku. Our music is by Nick Bull, and we are distributed by 8Cast. We'd like to thank Miriam for her great voicemail, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, Stephanie Paulsell, and AJ Yaramas. Of course, we also want to thank our BFF tier patrons, Amanda Schramm, Aoki Hugh, Ari, Ashley Mail, Daniel Kelly, Eloise Faring, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Rebecca Crow, and Stephanie Federish. And a special thanks this week to Daniel Kelly for sending in the Mary Oliver poem. It's so beautiful. Bye, everyone. Thank you. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.